This is episode 61 of No Truce Bard, the best up-and-coming podcast on the internet. And on today's episode, we have guest Floyd Peace. Floyd Peace is an actor, stand-up comedian, and fellow entrepreneur. This was an entertaining, enlightening, and informative episode. We talked about the ramifications of the January 6th riots. We also speak about and discuss in detail Jay-Z's new business deals, the legalization of cannabis, and much, much more. And make sure you're following this podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Take care and enjoy this episode. Peace. Hoikuweku Timmons, this is episode 61. Um, So I'm going to jump right into it. Today, I'm really honored. I've had this brother on previously on another episode of No Truce Bard, and it was a really really thought-provoking, a really entertaining episode, an episode where I I feel like the listener gained a lot um, through, you know, sense of humor, through jokes, and also through our own perspectives. Um, I have the comedian fellow podcaster, uh, host of the East Coast Report, and uh, Imaginary Lunchtime. Did I get that correct? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. So he has uh, two shows, so make sure you subscribe and follow the East Coast Report. Um, This man, you know, he's been doing it uh, for a minute now. Uh, Then he has his new uh, podcast. And what's the name of your co-host on that? Uh, Mr. Uh, Less Extra. Lex Extra. So make sure you follow him and Lex Extra. Um, the brother's an actor. Uh, he owns like 97 different businesses. Every time I turn around, uh, <laughs> this brother has like a brand new brand. He has something that he's putting out into the world. Uh, this is a gentleman I consider the epitome of a creative. Uh, my brother and wow. good friend, Mr. Floyd Peace. Welcome back uh, for the second time to No Truce Bard. How you doing today, sir? Yo, Hoy, man. I, I, yo, thank you for that introduction. I'm going to have to uh, record that and put that on my voicemail. Hey, do it, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> do it, please. Yes. I, I need people to know what's going on. You know, uh, 2021, uh, enough being humble. You know, we've been humble for years. Um, and, you know, it's time for us to, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, knowing your worth in this world uh, and putting your creativity out there. And you know what I'm saying? And getting that respect that deserve. You know, I, I I believe you like myself. Um, you know, we're very humble and meek spirits. Yeah. Um, you know, very close to the earth. And and um I believe it's time though for us to talk our talk. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna continue to say this on air with you. Uh Hoyt's show is my favorite podcast. Oh man. Uh out. I, I've been saying that Thank uh, you, brother. The, Thank the, you. The, for a long time. I'm gonna continue to say that. Thank you. Your your information that you give to us um is invaluable. Thank and you. I, and I, Thank I, you. I I mean that from the bottom Thank of my you. heart. What what you do, I just told Sean Lennon that the other day. Um not, not only are you a solid and good brother, uh you're the first person on uh, that purchased anything from me. Um, so in, in terms of clothing, man, so you, what, what you put into the space, man, you know, you know I what? that hat too. That side hat, no- oh, thank you. Fine. But look, side note, I was about to, so look, I was ripping and running yesterday. I was out all day yesterday and then your shirt, I was like, yo, I'm gonna have Floyd on. I should wear the shirt on the pod. Right. And so right. I was like, I was trying to get to the cleaners 
and I was going to put it down. I was like, well, cool. I missed the cleaners. And then, you know, I was eating something last night. I got a little, little sauce on. I was like, I can't rock that since we're doing the visuals. So, but the next time we link, man, I'm going to have some, some, some merch on. And I want to say this as well. Uh, I got another T on it with your name on it too. I told you that last time. Oh, okay. Just go to the website. Okay. Um, that's still on it. Uh, pick whatever you want, and that that's on me. Oh, that almost uh, deaf, man. Yeah, Deep yeah, thanks, brother. Yeah. And and I'm gonna yeah. tell you, man. Um, just briefly, and then we're gonna kind of jump into the subject matter that we have lined up. Is that yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine because he wants to do like you know YouTubing and all of this stuff, right? And he was kind of asking for my advice. And what I tell people, and this is something you're going to know, when it comes to like business, whether it's starting a clothing line, whether it's, you know, uh, doing content creation, whether it's uh, even art, you know, music, whatever it is, there's like going to be at least 45% of the work involves tedious tasks that you may not enjoy. And I think whenever, whenever we, you know, we're talking about all these creative endeavors, we don't talk about like the tedious work that goes into it, like the editing, securing guests, uh, coming up with content, uh, how long it's going to take to do the episode. Sometimes you'll schedule somebody to come on and then they like, you know, they drop out at the last minute. So I had, um, as you know, I haven't been on, you know, any sort of social media for the past two weeks. I reactivated a few things yesterday, but I'm going to be back 100 percent this week. And I had a guest that was supposed to come on two weeks ago. But then like the day before, he's like, yo, all of this stuff came up and it threw my week off because I had a whole plan with how I was going to attack that podcast. But I say that to say, brother, um, you know, I look I look at you, man, and, and I truly think, man, out of out of many of the people that I've encountered, you know, I definitely see you doing really some something really huge, man, because, you know, you have so many different products that you're working on. And it's almost like you don't stop. Like you're 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 a machine. And you're just churning out different businesses and concepts, and, re- and 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 you do it in a very niche manner. And it's something that I respect because uh, you know you've inspired me to want to start a business of my own going into 2022. You know, I'm I'm, I'm not at the the level where I can like run like seven of them joints. But nonetheless, man, it is is definitely needed. So, you know, deep respect. Thank you, brother, for the kudos and, and the flowers. And I definitely want to reciprocate that back to you because um it's it's difficult, it's hard, you have these obstacles that come up, but you gotta keep uh pushing forward, you know? And and I wanna get people's perspectives, like people from different walks of life, because I think one of the things I took away from the January sixth insurrection that happened. So those are kind of my opinion essentially. Military uh, uh, movement as we are, and actually being out there uh, marching and protesting, I did notice that the officers allowed us to do a lot. So, for instance, I'll speak for the George Floyd moment that we spoke about in our episode that you had me on for mm-hmm. previously. Uh, There's a lot of trash cans being stone, uh, stolen, uh, thrown at police vehicles. Um, they, the officers let us do a, quite a bit of a lot out there before they they went the route of macing us uh, via helicopter. Um, What I will say, though, uh, the thing that that really made me take a step back is when you see videos of the officer taking selfies uh, with these guys in there and being handed bottled water to flush their eyes out. You know, it it was an inside job. Uh, This was nothing but Donald Trump trying to seize them from counting uh, the vote so he could stay in office 
And, and it just it just highlights that the officers in play outside of that black officer, I forgot his name, um, the black brother that tried to stop them. You talking about the guy um, that was leading the people up the stairs? Okay, right, got it. Right, yeah, right. yeah. Okay, because he was actually, I just watched the video on this, the hearing, uh, when it was trying to impeach Donald Trump uh, the second time, uh, that he was actually doing that on purpose uh, to get them away from uh, the Congress and senators that was on the lower floor where they were located at. Um, so peace to that brother. Oh, indeed. Uh, but it's just... It, this just highlights, once again, white supremacy. I mean, the Confederate flag, we all know what that stands for. Um, you know, marching around, uh, you know, you won't take our president away from us. This is our America. You know, they don't mm. think America belongs to anybody else. And this just highlights that. And this is why um, the officers the, or the police stations across America needs to be uh, re rebranded, for lack of better words. Mm -hmm. You know, there needs to be some retraining. Uh, done on these offices because you see in one of those video clips where they actually open up the gate for that, these guys to walk in, man. Come, these guys, how are you not trying to protect America, bro? Like, what are you doing? Okay, brilliant, succinct points. Now, here, now, now, let's play to that, right? Right. The National Guard took three hours to get to the Capitol. You have police guiding people in. And then you saw yesterday one of Donald Trump's aides is being arrested because he participated. They have photos of him. He was on the side of the insurrectionists. So then right. let me ask you this. If I have to look at this objectively and just only go off of the evidence that's presented, I see the president that waits three hours to, to send the National Guard when he finds right. out that the Capitol was under attack. You find out that police officers and security are actually helping people. Here's the thing. If you've never been inside of the Capitol, how do you know where Nancy Pelosi's office is? Somebody that works there had to show you where her office is at. So if I'm looking at all of this and, I, and people thought I was crazy, I told this to people last year. I said, yo, Donald Trump only cares about Donald Trump and he's going to seize power by any means. This looks like a military overthrow. And then I, I want to kind of bring something else into question. And it's something that I, I said in my previous response. People were like, man, it seemed like the insurrectionists got a lot of benevolent treatment. You know, uh, for example, yes. the girl that stole, I can't remember her name, but the girl that stole Nancy Pelosi's laptop and was going to sell it off to Russia. To the, the Russian. Yeah. Uh -huh. The the joke the judge um of her trial of her case was like, hey, you get to go home on house arrest and we'll put an ankle bracelet on you and you can't go anywhere. Now compare that to Khalif Broder, who was a allegedly stole a backpack and was sitting in Rikers Island for like three years. Yes. Right? So look at yes. the look at the level of treatment here. And so right. I guess I want to ask you. What's the problem here? Because you pointed it out. You said, you know, we have to reorganize these police departments. You know, maybe there could be more cultural, more uh, cultural training on how to interface with groups other than yourselves. But right. what do you think that is where, for example, you can have an insurrectionist, a terrorist, a domestic terrorist that gets treatment, you know, fine treatment by police. If you, they get mace in their eyes, they get water. But then you have a guy over here who allegedly stole a backpack and he's sitting in jail for three years. Let's take this up a step further. You look at a brother like Samir Rice that was shot for no reason. Mm -hmm. But then you look at the guy, um, 
Dylan Roof that went into church in South Carolina and murdered nine people. Not only did he make it to the police station alive and unscathed, but they stopped and got him Burger King on the way there. So right. I have, I'm at the question I'm posing to you. What do you what do you think it is that causes that grossly, uh, grossly like unequal treatment of black offenders versus white people? Despite the crime, one could just get pulled over and get murdered. And then the other can try to overthrow the government and you get great treatment. Right. They protect their own. And, and, and being black in America, you know, for a fact, growing up that they will always protect their own. Um, and, you know, they have the, the color for the protection, uh, going back into, um, you know, retraining of the, uh, the officers and such, you know, I believe that these officers need to leave, live in their neighborhoods, um, you know, amongst the people They need to be from the community. Cause if you're from the community, you're going to protect the community, um, with a different light. And it also goes back to the, just the training, uh, and the ignorance and racism that's just been passed down. You know, their mm -hmm. grandparents, grandparents, grandparents uh, might have been slave owners that have some type of hatred yeah. uh, towards people of color. And that ideology has just been passed down and they're just carrying in the torch on. Mm. So when you see uh, Dylan Roof, who uh, went up to a, a church and killed those people, you have to imagine that possibly uh, some of those officers carry the same views that he does. Uh, they're just at work that day. Mm. Um, and so I, I think it's, it's, we have to get to the bottom root of this. And I feel like there's a shift, uh, happening, especially after George Floyd, uh, in this country where I'm seeing whites or Europeans as someone like to call them, uh, you know, I can see them starting to really open their eyes. I'm not saying all, yeah. but I, I can see a shift in the next generation, the generation after us, um, that, you know, they're really for equality. I think we will see change. In the next 20 years, we're just going to have to continue to weed out uh, mm -hmm. the bad apples out of the system. Mm -hmm. uh, but to double back into uh, the Russian, uh, the laptop that was going to be sold to Russian, uh, Russia by that lady and just an ankle monitor, that goes back to us wanting to fix the system. You know, when we talk about defunding the police and we talk about uh, getting certain judges, you know, out of there, this is the type of stuff we're talking about. And it needs to be highlighted as you're doing on this platform and other, because I feel like this conversation, although it happened, has been started to already been swept under the rug. And, yeah. you know, we're more concerned with the all-star game uh, that's, that's happening today. Yeah, it's, and you know, it, life is about equilibrium. So it's nothing wrong with enjoying the all-star game. But we have really pertinent issues that affect us on a systemic level. And if we're not right. having conversations where we're actively trying to seek out a resolution then it's kind of this quotidian thing of it happening over and over and over again. And, you know, when I think about police reorganization, am I, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> that is not a COVID cough. Let me put that out there. <clears throat> it's not a COVID cough. It's an incense cough. It's an incense cough. And it's not a 420 cough either. I just got to put all, I got to cover all grounds. It's not a 420 cough either. But, <laughs> but, I have, but you know, I look at it as well. This is another problem, and then we're going to move on. Uh, too many people make money off of the incarceration of black people. When you yes. when you look at prosecutors, when you look at uh, private privately owned prisons, when you look at uh, I mean, just like uh, 
simple stuff like black people are disproportionately targeted when it comes to traffic stops, when it comes to, pardon me, when it comes to like, in a car. Yeah. It's been proven that they give us higher interest rate. Uh, you got the same credit score, uh, same, uh, you know, uh, annual uh, gross income and uh, colored people have been given higher uh, yeah. interest rate. Yeah. Your, your, AP, your APR is going to be higher. Just off right. that, like, uh, right. and so it comes to a systemic a, a point of of we have to shift the paradigm of the system, and I think one of the ways that that we do that now. This is where I'm going to be in the minority amongst a lot of my contemporaries. I actually believe in the power of the vote. I actually believe in it. I know a lot of people will say your vote doesn't matter. I know a lot of people say like I don't believe in showing up to the polls. But this is what made me change my opinion, and I'd like to get your, your quick opinion on this. What made Please. me change my opinion on voting is that I work, I work literally, my building that I work in is right beside the governor's mansion, and I'm about 20 feet away from the Virginia State Capitol. And last year, when things were quote-unquote uh, normal, you would see what they, uh, they would have the General Assembly every year. And what I was seeing when I was going out on my break and just talking to people, you'll see like uh, labor unions, uh, teachers unions. You'll see people representing undocumented immigrants. You'll see people that want to get something passed so that if your if your children have uh, are uh, um, are autistic, they can have something on their ID card to indicate that. You're seeing all of these different things, and what they're doing is that they're on the heads of these delegates and these senators and representatives. They're on their head. They're, you know, they're there, they're, they're, they're tangible, they're in the face of these different politicians. And when I was talking to them, I'm like, wow. And I thought about it, when you go back to the 60s and you look at the civil rights era, we were doing the exact same thing. And the thing is, it wasn't about, uh, it wasn't about like, hey, we just want to, you know, imitate, you know, Eurocentric culture. It was like, yo, we want the same opportunities as everyone else. And that was done... Because we were active inside of the system. I know a lot of people want to be, you know, you believe that the Illuminati controls the government. But meanwhile, you can't tell me who your local councilman is. You can't tell me, you can't tell me like, yo, if you, if your street lights are out, who do you go and talk to to fix them? But you're telling me about some secret organization of men that can control the government and, and sacrifice children. But you can't tell me who your delegate is. That's a fact. Who who That's who fact. who is in control of the school board that your children go to every day? But see, what because, district do you live in? Yeah, what district do you live in? But because we're apolitical and we're so against the grain, we're looking at all these groups come from different countries and they fly past us because they galvanize their political power not just by the vote but having an active right. political voice. And so, what I want to ask you is. Do you think that's a problem the way a lot of us as younger black folks, how we look at the importance of the vote? Well, well yo, all, all facts. Um, I agree with everything you just said. And, and to, to uh, piggyback off of that uh, expression I learned back in 2014. Um, <laughs> yo, know, uh, but all seriousness, we, we, uh, we have to take voting serious. I, I've always been a voter. Um, my dad was never a voter. Uh, I don't know if his dad voted. Uh, but I know for a fact that my dad didn't believe in voting. Uh, his ideology was, I got to pay my bills regardless. Mm. Um, and too far often, um, you know, we think that that type of stuff doesn't have any importance to us. But we don't know that these votes are being cast every two to four years. 
and things like the uh the sheriff uh in uh richmond especially in the city uh yep. you know so you know if we don't vote the right sheriff and we don't look into his background we don't know what he may implement on the force in our local city in terms of pulling our people over and, and possibly uh, yep. incarcerating us even more uh so we need to be up on these type of things i love that you said you can avoid you can enjoy the all-star game you can enjoy instagram and clubhouse you can enjoy TikTok. But you also need to take some time out of your day and research and actively know what's going on around you. I know for a fact, uh, especially Dolores McQuinn uh, out in Churchill. Ooh, yeah. I've known her for years yeah. and her son, JJ. Mm -hmm. um, I know for a fact that uh, being out in the community um, and being a person of color, you can uh, you know, uh, make change a thing. And I believe that we need to be amongst each other. I do believe in America. I do believe in the system. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in the racist facets and the people who are in the system. I don't believe in them. I believe they need to get out. Yeah. But I believe that the people as a whole, the people with uh, true hearts, you know, uh, can get together on a common goal. And we can't make anything happen if we don't pay attention uh, to local legislation and local bills being passed, you know, we get mad when certain things happen and go, how did that happen? You know, I heard somebody say the other day, uh, uh, for instance, the tax refund that everybody rates on in January. I noticed my taxes weren't that much, but paid no attention because they didn't vote uh, in the Hillary versus Trump election that Trump uh, did something with the taxes uh, in terms of uh, getting a, a higher refund. Taxes mm -hmm. went up mm -hmm. uh, for most families and households averaging under 115k a year so we, we need to know certain things uh you know and make our voice heard you talked about other races coming to america and making the change they know that their voice matters and because we take our voice out of the equation the things that matter to us in our community gets overlooked time and time again because we don't make them a priority uh to the people in power yeah and and, and just kind of closes out and then we're going to touch on the next topic um, I agree with everything you said, and we have to we have to start to gradually get ourselves into the into the midst the midst of the political discourse because as long as we're trying to be on the periphery, we're just going to be complainers. And right. here's the thing: this is something cool in New York. Uh, I think I can't remember the name of the organization, but in New York they made it a, a law so undocumented residents could get a driver's license. How is this done? By organizations coming to politicians. You are on their head because this is what we forget. Politicians are public servants, which means 1, we, we pay their salary. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to pay taxes in the country. I'm going to uh, uh, pay a politician's salary but I'm not going to exercise my voice in the electoral process. So I'm just giving y'all money to do whatever you feel like and, and put yeah. it anywhere, you know, but I'm going to sit back and I'm not going to exercise my, my voice in various electoral elections. And now the same things happen here in Virginia where undocumented residents uh, can now get a driver's license. I don't know if it goes to affect this year or next year, but guess why mm -hmm. these things happen? Because these people are there. They know their senators. They know their delegates. They know who to contact. Like, for example, right. most people can't even tell you who the lieutenant governor is. Well, yeah, that's a fact. 
Like legit. You know, like I, I was in I was in Lee's Chicken one day, and Justin Fairfax, the lieutenant, uh, the black. Let me put it out there too. The black lieutenant governor of Virginia walked into Lee's with his two sons. Nobody knew who he was, and I was like the only one that like, oh shit, that's uh Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. I went up, shook his hand, talked to him for a little bit. You know, he asked me, did I want a, I want a photo? I was like, nah, I ain't, you know, because I was right. kind of crazy looking that day. But it's just the, the part the part that got me is that we're talk we're talking about all of this macro level stuff like the Jeffrey Epstein Allen, but basic things that affect us on the day to day, basic politicians that could get real things done that benefit us, we don't know about it. But um I want to switch the conversation a little bit because Oh yeah, yeah, sir. Yes, sir, go ahead, please. Because you touch you touch me with that. Um saying the lieutenant at least check it. By the way, Best chicken <laughs> combos uh, this side of the Mason Dixie line. Uh, but but one thing uh, to echo back to my dad real quick uh, that he always told me was uh, as a community we spend far too much time uh, being cool and knowing what's going on Saturday through Sunday uh, and not enough time focusing on Monday through Thursday. And, and I and I, I I feel that uh, uh, financially. Uh, as well as uh, affecting our children's children, our legacy, we, we don't know enough yeah. uh, about about things of an importance. You know, there's not enough balance for us. Uh, but you struck a chord with that lieutenant story. Oh no, nah, no, nah, uh, brother, that, yeah. that's deep. Yo, let, let me ask you this, man. Oh, see, see, I should have, I should have brought something to drink since I knew you was on. See, now I'm, I'm feeling weird. What you got, the henny? Is that, is, is it a henny Sunday? A henny Sunday? What we doing? What we doing in here? <laughs> No, no, uh, creative sip wine now. Uh, I've been on the wine. I had creative sip wine. You know, we don't drink things fast. Let's just go to an iconic brand store and pick you up the iconic glass and, and, and drink with your pinky out. Okay, sir, you have yeah. an uh, the iconic wine glass? Wine glass. Uh, this is dropping uh, March uh, 16th. Uh, Yo. This is dropping, which is this Friday. Uh, you can go pick you up, bro. Uh, a wine, a, a wine glass. I'm getting, we're getting into plates. Uh, we, you know, we getting into household comforters are coming soon too, dude. Yo, know, if you go sleep, make sure you sleep iconic. Woo! You know, so you can wake up and get to your thing. Hey, look, you know, hey, look. When we get to the end of the show, I want you to talk all your shit. I want you to yeah. talk all. Talk all that, get all that shit off, bro. The fly shit yeah. was. I want you to go yeah. in when we get to the. But that's yo, that's. For one, deep respect on that, man. But I want to talk about uh, a little bit briefly about um, we were talking about like how black people are perceived when we're talking about offenses versus, you know, their non-black counterparts. And I think another degree of that is that, you know, we're in a culture now where people are like, hey, we need to uh, defund the police. The police have done this. You know, Mm -hmm. we shouldn't we shouldn't body shame, et cetera, which are all beautiful things because I'm not a fan of trying to body shame either. But then there comes a time where you hit. No, an... no, there, there, there's some bodies that. that... <laughs> I mean, look, man. I'm okay. I'll, I'll set for Hoyt, for Hoyt, okay. for Hoyt. Okay. I'll stick. I'll stick to Hoyt. All jokes. All jokes. All jokes. All jokes. But the, the 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 extreme of that is when you have a society where anything that's perceived. As being the least bit offensive, it's like let's end his career. Let's get rid of him. Let's cancel him. I don't want to hear what he has to say. 
And I have to wonder when we're, when this is the, 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 um, the environment that we're in, how do we balance that first amendment? Right. I remember when Dave Chappelle did his special, I think it was 2019 and people lost their shit because of some certain things, some of the things he was talking about in that particular special. He made, yeah, he made the transgender joke. A lot of people got upset over that. Of course, you know, Bill Burr, he made like a lot of jokes about feminists and people got upset over that. And it made me think about comedy on a deeper level. Some of my favorite comedians, like, of course, my favorite comic ever is Dave Chappelle. That's just my guy. But then I, I love, I love Richard, uh, Richard Pryor. I love George Carlin. I love DL. I love Bernie Mac. You know, a lot of comedians, Chris Rock. And the comedians that I like, yeah, they're funny, but they're also providing these really insightful social critiques in their comedy, which may come off offensive. That could be a byproduct of the social critique that they're making through their jokes. And so I want to ask you as a, as a comic, in this particular climate, how do you feel about your comedy? Do you, you know, are there certain measures that you take to not offend people or do you just try to keep it organic? Where does Floyd P stand as a comic in this sort of climate? Well, you know, growing up on, uh, we had a lot of Red Fox in my house uh, growing up and uh, Richard Pryor and those guys didn't care. You know, they, and of course, there was an era uh, where you could say whatever you want, uh, but it's comedy. Comedy is meant to uh, be uncomfortable. You know, uh, a joke, you know, is supposed to, to hit you a little bit, then make you laugh. There should be some truth. Uh, to every joke. I've offended many people. Matter of fact, the last 25 years of my life, you know, I've probably lost friendships, family members uh, for making jokes and them taking it a certain way. And, and so be it. That's comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think cancel culture and the comedian world uh, should should stop. Because you go to the comedy club and, you know, say, let's say, for instance, you are a transgender person and the comedian makes light of, you know, a transgender picking men's bathroom versus women's bathroom. Mm-hmm. This is not a joke. I'm just throwing a uh, yeah, yeah. scenario out there. Um, but, you know, you should, shouldn't take that to heart because it's just comedy. Comedy is meant uh, to make you laugh. It's meant to give you some, give you some truth. And the truth is ugly. Let's mm-hmm. be real. A lot of things that we don't want to be tr- uh, truthful about are, you know, are, are ugly. The ugly things we don't want to look at. But that's what comedy is there. It's just to make lighter things. I think people take things way too harshly. And this Me Too movement that kind of ushered in, you said this, you canceled. Kevin Hart had something a few years ago. I forgot what he said on Twitter, but they tried to cancel him. And they pulled his uh, offer to host the Oscars uh, a few years ago. Some A joke he said on Twitter uh, years ago. You know, we got to stop canceling comedians. I got a gig coming up soon. Uh, and it's in a predominantly white setting. Uh, so it's not like your typical uh, chicken circuit. Uh, but in that arena, arena, you know, I, I'm going to say I'm going to say my truth. I'm going to talk my truth. And if that offends you, you'll get over it. Um, but, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with a comic uh, speaking what's on his mind freely without worrying about getting canceled. I will say this, though, as a business owner um, and wearing two different hats in terms of products, I do kind of. Uh, sit on the fence with how far I go um, that it may potentially affect purchases of the brand. You know, because if a group galvanizes 
and they feel that upset, uh, then you know they may try to cancel your brand. Um, but so I, I in that in, to answer your question directly, I do kind of cater uh, the jokes towards the crowd. And, and two, you can kind of feel as a comic, your job is to fill the room, much less like the DJ. You know, if you're playing a particular song or you're hosting an event, you know, if I tell one joke and that joke doesn't hit the crowd well, then I can kind of move into something else. And you're supposed to be able to think quick on your feet and segue out of, you know, dangerous conversations that may offend many people. Because you don't want to offend people. You want to make people laugh. But creatively, uh, that shouldn't stop you from maybe bringing in something that may make some people uncomfortable. You never want to hurt people, but, you know, if it makes them a little uncomfortable and they laugh at the end, I think that's okay. Yeah, it's that fine line, that balance that you have to walk because you want to provide humor, but you don't want to sacrifice your integrity nor your authenticity in order to, you know, nerf the crowd and, and keep their emotions safe. My concern is that, in addition to kind of like maybe issues about sexual orientation, in addition to issues that may involve religion, a lot of times now comedy is kind of devolving into these political echo chambers. So you'll hear certain comedians and a lot of their critiques and their jokes are against left, uh, left or liberal issues, or a lot of their jokes are against right or conservative issues. And so now it goes beyond just uh you know superficial social critiques now you're having comedy abetting and political division because you look at some of these big comics that i will not name and you listen to the nature of their comedy and you can tell oh this guy's conservative or oh this guy's liberal and in doing that you have to pardon me in doing that to me it it, is it's starting to kind of ruin i feel the art of comedy because I think comedy, like I said, it should be an extension of yourself, your art, your perspective. But I don't think that it should help to galvanize these political echo chambers. Because there are certain comics, you listen to them, and every joke is a, is a fuck Kamala Harris or a fuck Joe Biden joke. Or you listen to another comic, and every joke is a fuck Donald Trump joke. You know, now, if I was a comic, that would probably be my bag. But, <laughs> but... You see that now. And that's kind of like one of the residual effects, in my opinion, of the cancel culture. You know, um, I said something really controversial to somebody and they didn't quite understand this. Someone was like, listen, you're pro First Amendment. Also, I'm pro Second Amendment. I believe in carrying a gun. Um, But they were like, what would you what would you say about a white person that wanted to call you the N word? And this was my response, and I had to kind of break it down. If a white person wanted to call me the N-word, they should have the right to do so. It's up to them. Now, I don't agree with that. And then in them calling me the N-word, they have to be prepared for any ramifications that they receive on my end. But this is a free country. Now, you shouldn't go around calling people the N-word, but... We have to realize, in, in my opinion, the, the, the pendulum of political power, it always swings. So us as, you know, I consider myself more on the liberal side, but us as liberals, when we want to like monitor and shut down people's speech, you got to remember that there are times in this country's history when we've been more left-leaning, there's times when we're more right-leaning. 
So when it gets back to the point where we're more right-leaning or if it gets there again, how do you tell conservatives to not police people's language if we've done the same thing? Although we believe that it's benevolent and it's a good for a good cause, nonetheless, we're trying to limit people's speech. Go ahead. You, you bring up a great point uh, because I kind of felt with the uh, erectionist. Is it erect? In, insurrectionist. They, 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 I hope they weren't erect. I hope they weren't erect when they st- <laughs> when they stormed the Capitol, bro. I hope not. Okay. The erectionist, uh, when they uh, stormed the Capitol, Capitol erect. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, but, you know, we the, the Black Lives Matter movement and any movement that has marched, they have a right to free speech. Uh, just as well as Donald Trump calls them the proud patriots um, mm. uh, marching marching the streets. But they, they have a right to march um, and let their voice be heard. And I, I don't have a problem uh, with them marching. I don't have a problem with uh, you no know, flag they want to carry. The Confederate flag, uh, to me, doesn't have that much power to me because I take the power out of it. I take the feeling out of it. You can march up down the street. Um, all you want uh, with that. But, you know, so that doesn't bother me. But with the uh, comedians, I think comics have to be careful about deciding what they want to be. Because just like a rapper, uh, you know, and me, you have touched about being, you know, rapping and making mixtapes and albums yeah, and such. Yeah. You have to find your sound uh, early on. And you have to find that, that lane uh, that fits you uh, and is best suited for you. And I feel like far too much comedians chase a Bill Burr moment on stage or they chase a Dave Chappelle mm. moment. Cause those, those guys are one-on-ones. You know, there's one Dave Chappelle, there's one Burr, uh, there's one O'Neill. You know, these guys, these guys are who they are. There's one Sinbad, in my humble opinion, I love Sinbad. Um, um, well, side note, side note, not to interject. Sinbad um, is one of the funniest comics, bro. Like, he's a dude that never gets his props. I just want to put that no, out there, man. No, he doesn't. I wouldn't give him his flowers now. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I look up to uh, in the comic world. A uh, guy that who could tell comedy for your grandma as well as yourself, as well as a child. You know, I want to be household, uh, you know, in terms of telling jokes. I will say this, though. Uh, you never let anybody take your amendment away from you. I had an event with Capital One. A few years back, and that was the first time I ran into that. Uh, they opened up a coffee shop, cafe shop in the mall, mm-hmm. and they sent me a transcript of jokes I couldn't tell. And I emailed them back. If I can't be free, you can't trust me not to offend people. with Because you can be able to touch, you can tell a Donald Trump joke without, without being surface level, without you know necessarily offending someone who's Republican. Mm-hmm. And make them see this was a comic moment. Um, and so I, I declined the offer. It would have been a huge thing for me uh, in terms of getting exposure with Capital One. But I turned it down uh, for creativity uh, reasons. You know, you're not going to control my creativity. You know, you have to uh, let an artist work. Yeah, you let yes, a creator create. Yes, you know sir. what I'm saying? So if I'm telling some jokes, you know, I'm not going to throw F-bombs in a mall and so to speak. But you got to let me work the stage, you know? I'm, yeah. I'm really, uh, I do a lot of freestyling on stage, so I come with an outline of jokes. Um, and then from there, you know, I just start talking because mm-hmm. it's just me. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I'm just speaking to the people. I hope you find it funny. Uh, and, and we go from there. But 
uh, I, I don't think it's right. This, this, this. And we got to be careful, like you said, about canceling uh, people for being racist towards colored people, uh, for having, uh, you know, a voice, uh, because our voice can be canceled for the same thing. That's a great point. Uh, my follow-up question, how does comedy, considering everything we just discussed, what does comedy look like, the future of comedy look like? If we're in a society where we kind of seem to be so hypersensitive and anything is a trigger comment, anything could get you canceled, anything could end your career, how does the genre of comedy survive going forward, in your opinion? You got to be said that. You, you, have, you have to, in, in this particular climate, you have to be Nick Cannon. Uh, not that mm. he's a, a comedian per se, uh, but that you have to be in the middle, right? Because you you don't just want just uh, black fans or just you know uh, Hispanic fans. Yeah, you want you want the whole. If you're trying to attack the globe, then you have to have some Kevin Hart in you mm-hmm. in terms of you know not not killing. Uh, certain things, you know, and, and you have to fight for equality in that way that, you know, uh, black, white, uh, Asians, Hispanic, gays, transgenders uh, can be under the same umbrella and we all can get through this storm together. So you, you in this new world of comedy, the way I'm approaching it, it's just speaking from my life. These are my life experiences. This is me on the stage. I talk a lot about my wife. I talk a lot about living with a female in that way, that allows me personally not to offend people because even if you're gay, you can relate to being in a relationship with someone and having a pet pee that they do. Yeah. And so relatability is going to be the route to go um, because you don't want to step on toes mm. uh, per se. But here again, the Dave Chappelle's, the, these guys who are out here who does that so well, these guys are masterminds and geniuses in terms of how they convey a message. Their last thing Chappelle just put out was a gen- it was did you, did you see that thing he just dropped on uh, I saw his Instagram page where he was talking about uh, January 6th. Yeah, yeah. Whites ran up in that and how he tied it in in the end. Brilliant. That it doesn't matter if you was Indian. You could feel what he was saying. If you're not that level, Chappelle, I feel you should stay away from it and, you know, yeah, and, and stick yeah. to what you know. That's, yeah. that's, that's my personal thing. And, and just uh, uh, one more point to kind of piggyback off what you were saying. I want to put this out here because a lot of times when we put out clips from this episode, people can, can kind of get a sound bite and run with something. So I kind of want to clear up something about myself really quick. When I say that I'm pro First Amendment, let me also recognize that within us having the First Amendment right, there's a degree of responsibility that comes with that. And I think the degree of responsibility is something that we don't often convey overtly. But that degree of responsibility means that I'm going to be conscientious of the fact that words do, in fact, hurt people. So I can exercise my liberty to say what I want, but I don't have to do it at the expense of hurting someone. Now, if I happen to speak a truth, no truths barred, if I happen to speak a truth and it's supported by evidence and it just so happens to offend you, that's a different conversation, but I don't want people to think like off of what I said earlier that I'm down with just offending people or saying anything right. that you that fit that sounds salacious. And that's something too I tell people like when you get on different platforms, don't try to go the shock jock route. Don't just try to be like, 
yo, I'm going to say this wild stuff to get a reaction because people hear you. People are listening they to do. you. And so you have to be ready for that when it comes back. But um, just to kind of switch gears, man, I want to talk about uh, this brother. I probably say he's like the 17th. No, nah, he's like the 25th greatest MC of all time, Jay-Z. Um, you know, so. <laughs> What's wrong? You okay? Did my sound go out over there? No. <laughs> I mean. Come on. No, I'm joking, man. He's number twenty. I put him at twenty, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I was being a, I was being unfair. I, I need to put him at twenty, so I'm I'm sorry. Hey, thank about you, that. thank you for having him ahead of Buster Rhymes. I, I appreciate that in Rockefeller over here in the Rock. Okay, uh, all all jokes. Okay, all before I get into this, I'm gonna just say this. My favorite MC ever is Nas. Okay. Okay. And this is this hurts my soul. If I have to be like objective, take my bias away and look at everything, and I don't want to admit this, Jay Z is the goat. Like if you have to just be objective about it, he got it, bro. He's the goat. I, that, and I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't. Gary, Gary Taylor. <laughs> oh, he disagrees. He disagrees. Gary Taylor. Oh, he. he I'm okay. done. I'm done. Okay. Gary Taylor. Okay, he okay. Well, well, he came to the same conclusion, and it's just like when I had Did to, he really, yeah, because we had a conversation about this some months ago, a, a, a minute ago. Um, oh, yo, you disappeared. Okay, there you go. But um, when you look at the business deals, when you look at the discography, like, dude, I was listening to four, four, four. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. What really irritates me, um, when we start talking, um, goat talk. Uh, I hate that uh, business deals outside of the music decides if someone's a goat. I know that may not be your personal, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, category that you need to be the goat. Yeah. Like when people talk about goats, Kevin Hart gets thrown in uh, because he's done this amount of arena. Uh, you know, he sold out arenas for this comedy tour, so now. We have to automatically throw him up here with Eddie Eddie Murphy's Raw. You know, the music still matters. Oh and yeah, me, yeah, it, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I see a lot of that. That you know, I know we're about to jump into uh, a segue into Jay's deals. Um, but to me, the the outside of anything else, I mean, Jay owns Duce, and then he also uh, Nas has a, a deal with Penny. Um, yo, so when we get into like, I, I just want to stick my personal thing with goat talk. If we're listening to just the music, rest in peace, MF Doom. If we're just listening to just the music, when you when you listen to an artist, you listen to his whole collection of music and basic just off the music. I think certain artists move up the line if you look at just the music in terms of like a top ten or top fifty uh, thing. That certain artists gain higher favor if it's based just strictly off the music. I could easily put Redman above a lot of MCs if we're just gauging. Oh yeah, no doubt. Strictly, just strictly off the music. And that, that's so, why I wanted to jump so in. So this is something that I that I've done, and I've told different people about this. Lupe is better than Kendrick. 
I'm a, I'll segue to that. I'll segue to that. But the, the two, this is what I have. I have my personal favorite top 10. And then I have okay. an objective top 10 list. So my objective top 10 list and my personal top 10 are different. And a lot of people ask me, why do you do that? Like, why do you have a personal and, a, and an objective? Because this is something I started to notice. Whenever I talk to people and they talk about what their top 10 is, it's just a bunch of people that they listen to. So then I started to see myself do the same thing. So like I noticed, yeah, I noticed when I when I told when I used to tell people my top 10, I thought about it one day and I'm like, damn, these are just people that I love to bump a lot. So then I said, well, how do I objectively craft a top 10 list? Like, what do I look for? If we're taking from what when did hip hop start? Like what, 1977, 75, something like that? Late seventies. Yeah, around, around about then. Okay, so yeah. if we're talking about late seventies up until now, and then some people don't do that. Some people break it down in the eras. Some people are like, yo, when I talk about my top ten, I'm talking like late eighties, early nineties. Some people talk about mid nineties to late nineties. But for me, I say, yo, I'm not going to take. I, I, I judge my females that way, so it's like, <laughs> so if I, if I had a female that was a three hundred pounder. I I I critique them, you know. I see, I see, clients. but but it, it, it but the but the, the the issue is that I didn't want to just give off my preferences to try to say these should be who we should look at as the top five, and I noticed that I was doing that. So for me, like for example, in my top ten list, objective top ten, I have to put Ice Cube there, but for my personal top ten, Ice Cube is not there. Because I have to look at his right. contribution to hip-hop. What did he do to affect the game? Funny you mentioned Kendrick Lamar. People love Good Kid, Mad City. But if you want to see the, the great ancestor to that album, go listen to America's Most Wanted. Go listen That's to Death Certificate. You know, if you want to see the, the early ancestor for that, that style of crafting an album with social uh, yep. social commentary and storytelling, go look at Ice Cube's older work, and you see it right, right there. So Ice Cube is in my objective top 10, but for my per like who I listen to a lot, he's not in there. And so a lot of people don't do that. They don't break it up. And so when I hear people, they'll be like, yo, this is the top five. And it's like, damn, these are just niggas that you listen to. Right. That's a great point. That's a that is a that is a great point. And art subjective. You know, uh we can go to an art gallery and look at a picture and see two different things. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you break down the lyric and you know, some people gather the front end of the bar, some people catch the, the second end of the bar. Well, I will say in terms of the new guys, I'm starting to feel like Drake is the new Jay Z. That's my humble opinion. Drake, in my opinion, if Drake gives us a rapping album with no Sean Kingston singing, where he's just rapping, I believe he's going to deliver a, a, a classic. I think that's the only thing he's missing in his resume. Um, it's just, and if he does that, he's easily top ten in, 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 in my in my uh, top ten list. So here, here's my, here's where I, I I might have the dissenting opinion with that perspective slightly. Hove came out the gate and gave us a groundbreaking album with reasonable doubt. You know. Okay. Okay. 
I'm gonna tell you this: reasonable doubt. Ill, Ill, Illmatic is better than reasonable doubt. I I agree with that. But I, I go still, back and listen to Illmatic any day of the week. I, I, I agree with Ill. I agree with that. But with reasonable doubt, that album had the evils on it, dude. If you listen to the lyrics, the storytelling, the double entendres, the triple entendres on that one song, that's one of the greatest rap songs in, in hip-hop history is on that album. Uh, Kendrick came out the gate. So it's a lot of M MCs I can name where they, they came in the game like kicking ass with their debut album, their sophomore effort, their junior effort, etc. You can't be 10 albums deep and then pop a classic album out there I, just for my preference, and I can kind of put you in that Hove discussion. I don't, I don't okay. know, okay. you know. I, and plus, like you said, I want to hear an album with Drake just rapping. So I hope. What's the new one that's coming out? Pretty certified, pretty boy, right? Is uh, that the name? Certified of it? lover boy. Certified lover boy. I'm praying that this album is all rapping, because right. then if it is, like you said, dude, Drake got some of the best bars out right now. I said 1,000%. Uh, you, you heard the joint that uh, that just came out with him and Rick Ross, right? Dude. Dude. Yo. What was, what was that bar when he said, uh, I got to I gotta ask your occupation or something about uh, what you do to become famous? Something about he, famous or uh, excellence. Are you famous for excellent or just famous? Something yeah. you do for a living. Whatever that bar was. My God. Dude. Yeah. My God. Drake. Dude, and, and and I remember when Rick Ross put out Port of Miami 2, I was like, dude, Drake had the best verse on that whole album. That's a big fact. His, his what That's was that song fact. called? Gold, Black Ro Gold Roses? What was that shit called? Uh it was um It is Gold Roses. Gold Roses? Gold Roses. Dude. Drake, Drake, what do you say? I'm rolling with some I'm rolling with some niggas that'll get it popping out of place like they double jointed. I was like, dude. <laughs> dude. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Dude, yeah, I was just like, yeah. So I can see you, but let's hop into this Jay-Z deal. You know, as of recently, we found out that, I mean, Hove always coming up every few years with like these monumental deals. I'm hoping this means that an album might be on the way. I see he's growing the hair out. So, you know, last time yeah. we seen something like this, we, we got 444. So, and, and right. it's, I know he got a lot of shit to talk about, but um, a lot, I saw DJ Academics he made a critique of Jay-Z's deals, and he said, like, Jay-Z kind of posits these business ventures as being, like, pro-black, but then he just ends up selling the company off to white people. Because I think now uh, uh, Square with Jack Dorsey, they're going to have a majority stake in title. And then I know that Jay-Z right. now is going to be on the board of Square, right. which is a huge venture. But when I look at the, the deals that Jay-Z does, to me, Jay-Z is like, uh, he's like a guy going into a new territory, a new hemisphere of business. And right. Jay-Z doesn't have like a template of other black people that have hit that level before. So dude is going through trial and error for a lot of us to look and emulate. If God blesses us to get in those positions one day, he would have gone through that fire first to see like, yo, this is how you got to right. move at this level. And what I want to ask, you know, when you first heard about this deal, you know, to me, I thought it was amazing. I, I love it. I love the Joe exactly. Button, the Joe Button Patreon deal. deal, too. Yeah. 
Um, okay. Because I'm looking at it at a deeper level. I'm not just looking at the, what was it, like 290 mil, 300 mil? 96. 296 mil. I'm not just looking yeah. at that. I'm looking at the larger ramifications of such a deal. And I noticed on Twitter, you know, a few people were like, oh, title was failing and he had to do that. So I just kind of want to know your initial opinion on this particular monumental deal that Jay-Z struck with Jack Dorsey. Well, well first and foremost, uh, salute to uh, Jigga Jay-Z. Uh, the greatest MC of all time, uh, Rockefeller Rock Nation. Uh, listen, as a bit, <laughs> you, you gotta throw the rock. The up. rock, man. Now, hey, hey, side note. Side note, yo, side note. Before you go in, don't you feel bad for kids now that didn't get to see the Rockefeller era firsthand? Yeah, I do because they, I, I have a lot of uh, young boys uh, who 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 keep telling me that Drake's the greatest. I just had this conversation back and forth on social media the other day with a Drake stand, and he was trying to tell me that he was better than Jay. I said, you ha- would have had to been there for the dynasty era. Had to been if there, bro. If you 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 don't understand. How could you understand when you ripped the package off your CD, you placed the album in, and you rolled the windows down as Jay-Z's telling you to do so, and that beat and the production from Jess Blaze, Guru on the Boards, comes on. Dude, come on. Bro. Listen, keep in mind, bro, and I want you to get into what you think about this deal. But keep in mind, Jay Z dropped Blueprint on. He didn't. He didn't be like, "Yo, we're gonna pull the album back." September. He dropped on the same day that the towers went down, bro, and yeah. his album still did its thing. And big enough to do it, dude. And, and I, I was. Uh, I remember. I didn't go that day it dropped, but it was like that weekend. I would remember going to the store and copping the blueprint a few days after it came out. Like, and that's something kids, now I just kind of was thinking about that. It, it's that whole era, that like 97-ish through like 2002 era. Bro, is watching. Come on, yeah, man. They, they were, they, he was, they were Griselda before Griselda. Um, you know, a lot of these artists who are popular now, that stuff that they were doing had been done. Jay yeah. did that. So hopefully we wouldn't have to do that. You know what I'm <laughs> <So> <laughs> but please go in on about what your initial. Yeah. What... All right, we're back. <laughs> yeah. All right, go ahead to address DJ Academics. Oh, real quick, I want to shout out the real machine, Conway. He's been on the tear. Um, we were talking about machines earlier. Oh, that, um, and, that, and that album was a classic too, man. Yeah, uh, real, real talk. I'm waiting on this last album on Shady, and then I like to see what he does next. Uh, well, I think it's Drumline, um, which he got a slew of artists coming out. Shout out Griselda, Buffalo yeah. Kids. That whole um, camp, and, uh, uh, who are also signed to Rock Nation in terms of management. Uh, that all roads lead back to Jay, not Mr. Wonderful, Shark Tank Talk. But listen... <laughs> Listen, but no, real talk, uh, I want to address DJ Academics real quick. As a business owner, business and endeavors, your whole goal is to build a business, much like flipping a house, to build a business from ground one and sell it and recoup your money. That's that's the art of doing business. There's no emotional attachments here when you talk about doing business. So if you had an app and somebody wants to partner up, and Jay's still going to receive monetary funds from this, him and his team from titles. It's not like he's he titles gone, uh, but that is for the culture. And the fact that you do business, and then it's just back to the ignorance 
of America, <clears throat> um, where black owned means that we only do business with blacks. That's not true. Black owned means we own states, to me anyway. We own states in a particular deal, and to do business with others, you may do business with people who don't look like you. That's fine. I love this deal. Jay sold the business. He's just he's just an, he's just much more of a billionaire than he already is. And then he takes a stakehold uh, in Square. And if you actually read, which I'm sure academics didn't, because he was probably drunk on Twitch again. If you uh, and I'm not chasing a moment. This is how I really feel. Yeah, I feel you. If, I you, feel actually, if you actually read the actual breakdown of the deal, this was something for the culture. Where they're looking in this new normal of us, you know, uh, entertaining ourselves from our home because concert venues and such are still closed at the moment, um, that they're able, Jay on Square, they'll be able to do monetary deals for artists through Square, cipher through title. Listen, when Jay does something, we got to let it play out because there's always a bigger plan. We just get the clip notes in the, in the media mm-hmm. and Twitter. And shout out to Twitter for uh, bringing uh, kind of a Patreon, shout out to Joe Biden, aspect to Twitter where creators will be able to charge for tweets. Yeah, I like that. And yeah, I like that a lot. I like that. They're giving it to the people. Yeah. Uh, but we got to wait and see. I, I kind of was not down on Jay, but he did the NFL deal. You know, we had to sit back and wait to see what happened. And as you see, the NFLs looked a lot more African-American in their commercials, their approach of music, which does nothing but fund money to these black artists because you're going to get a stream once a song becomes popular. How many people are watching these sports? Let's look at the buyers. And it's always a bigger picture story. Uh, it's a much bigger picture. Uh, it, back when people were buying albums, like when we talked about when Blueprint dropped, they've always said, that suburban kids who were people colored, not like us, we did a lot of bootleg stuff. Uh, they were the ones who were spending money on albums and on merchandise at that time. The Going to the 90s, concerts, era, all of that. Yeah, they were the ones who were buying stuff. So, what better else to market to those people? How do you market to those people to be in relationships with people? Who can get you to those people? That, that, yeah. That's business. Well, and, 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 that, then, that's business. and then I think we got to have, there's a an idealistic way to look at the world, and there's the tangible, concrete, materialistic reality to look at the world. Here's the I thing. I'm very much pro-black, as you know. But does my pro-blackness right. mean that I despise white people? No. Does it mean that I'm not willing to, to work with white people or anybody else is not black? Not at all. It just means that I understand as an oppressed group of people, I see what we've gone through. I study our history and how it's relevant today, but that doesn't make me diametrically opposed to any other group. And so I, to piggyback off right. of your point, I don't look at Jay like, oh, he sold his company to, to, to X amount of people or, or these people that aren't black. Because like you said, you build up businesses to sell them. People do this every day. This is, okay. it's just the, the, uh, the magnifying glass is on Jay-Z. But if you look at right. any other... I mean, you could come here in Richmond and you can see I've been there where people are doing business deals to be like, yo, I need partners on this or I got this business yeah. to that point, but you can take it here so I'll sell this business to you at this price, et cetera, et cetera. 
But a lot of us have this idea that we have to relegate ourselves to just this one demographic. And it's not wrong to put like emphasis on a specific demographic that may look like you just because that's where you're from. But you got to realize this world is interdependent. Like that's right. We are we are dependent upon each other. Like I can't just yeah, I just can't go in a corner and be like, okay, well, this is white people land or this is, you know, black people land. You can be proud of who you are, but still be confident enough, not even confident, but still be able to work with other people. And so these critiques like, you know, DJ Academics did against Hove, it's like a real elementary, not well thought out critique. And it's one that I don't buy into because he's talking like a guy that doesn't know business. And it's kind of, it sounds like a little bit of trolling as well. He knows, he knows business. He, I, I, I'm quite sure he understands what, oh, I, I think a lot of that is clickbait, I believe, you know, looking, searching for a moment. And trolling, not, yeah. Yeah, he's trolling. He's not on complex anymore. You know, he's at Daily Strugglers ended, which, shout out to uh, Nadeska, and I think it was Wayno. Was the yeah, Wayno, yeah. Uh, yeah um, but that show was really over after Joe Biden left. Uh, and I don't mean any disrespect to them at all. Um, but what, He Joe made the shows. He made Joe Biden brings yeah. a lot to a show. It, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, uh, academics chase moments. You know, his fake partnership with Six Nine Tukoski. Uh, you know, it, he he's just chasing for a clickbait moment. Uh, and the the problem though is, on a serious note, he's misleading people who their news may not be our news, right? So I love Am uh, Joy, who's now is the lead anchor on uh, CNN now at 6 yeah. o'clock. Mm-hmm. I loved her show when she was on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Um, some people don't get the news. Mm-hmm. you know. So their news may be DJ academics, and then they run with this rhetoric out here. And once again, why I have to really big up your platform is you're out here to discriminate uh, information, and you have guests on that may not have the same views that you have on certain things, but you're getting the kind the real information out to people. And that's what I love about this platform that we're able to get past the noise, mm-hmm. the smoke and mirrors and really get to the meat and potatoes of things, man. Very uh, good. So shout out to this, this, this no truth bear uh, platform. Bard, bro. I got you. I got you. Bard up. What did bro. I say? You said bared. <laughs> but no, it's all good. It's all good. But, um, Speaking of Hove, man, like, uh, I was really also stoked at this monogram thing, man, because this is conversations. I had this conversation with people, man, a lot about this cannabis industry. And it's good to see Hove kind of like, he's not the only one. There are a lot of black people in that industry. It's just he has that level of superstar where it gains more notoriety because he's jumping into that pool. But you already do have black people that are doing things in the cannabis industry. And even if it's not with, you know, uh, producing different strains or starting dispensaries, you have people that are fighting on the um, legislative side to make sure that these uh, new laws that are going to regulate the, distribu- the distribution of cannabis also include, you know, oppressed people and people that have been disenfranchised by laws that have put black families in adverse positions. Like, you know, guys back in the 90s, guys getting locked up for 10, 15, 20, 25 years for carrying marijuana on them. 
And so it's kind of like to readjust the, 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 the corruption of this political system as well. But back to Hove, when I read that, I was like, yo, this is different. And I think he's going to, um, from what, he, what they're doing with Monogram, it almost seems like they're trying to market it as like an upscale cannabis strain, you know, and, right. and kind of like a luxury uh, strain, which is kind of, uh, you don't really see that done a lot. But what I'm interested in is just kind of like what this is going to say for the fingerprint of black people in the cannabis market. So if you can, man, give me your, your impression, man, of the, the monogram thing, man, and, and, the, and the business he's doing in the cannabis industry. Listen, man, it, us uh, yo, drug dealers in a whole, and, I, and I, I dabble. I wouldn't call myself a drug dealer per se. I, I tried, me personally, I tried to sell weed. I got pulled over by an officer, you know, and I was sweating bullets. And I, I might have had maybe like, you know, a dime bag on me at the time, uh, which is nothing. I might have had a couple dime bags. I think I would, no, I take that back. I had to connect with me. Um, the connect was in the car. I'm not going to say his name, um, but the connect was in the car. He was going to front me a few things. Mm -hmm. and, um, and when I got pulled over, because I had a loud muffler. My muffler was real loud. You ever been real hungry and like your stomach roar? Oh yeah, I know what you loud. mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, I had like a, a you know the muffles real loud, and I got pulled, and that moment alone let me know that I wasn't built uh, for Cuban links. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so you know I, I shout out Wu Tang and Raekwon. Yeah. So, but, you know, the drug dealers, they should, you know, Jay's a noted uh, drug, has some drug dealers in the past. That's noted and well. For real? Uh, I thought he I, was. I think it's talked about. I read uh, that he was. 96 bricks that was lost. I read that he was an orthodontist before he became a rapper. That's what I read about yeah, that Jay. Was, that was, that was something Nas put in his. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, not uh, Jay Z. You know, he 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 did what he did, and I think it's only right that drug dealers get grandfathered into this. It should not be hard for a drug dealer uh to make money legally if all of a sudden you live in a state where things are legalizing it that your business be taken out of. Uh, you know, because say for instance, right? We're not drug dealers, but say we're drug dealers. We're in a state legislation passed. Marijuana is, you know, is, is legal and you can have a dispensary. And all of a sudden, our clientele is now going next to Marshall's uh, to pick up their weed after shopping. And then they'll come hit us up no more to meet us outside of a Wawa or a Dashing or, or a Valero, you know, to pick up their weed. So I love that Jay-Z is able to, to to have a stake in this, especially when he was in that business in some capacity, and I would love to see other dealers get ushered in and have first stake in some type of business dealings without it being difficult uh, for them. Because I hate the fact that they've been locked. Aside from Jay, I really what ignores me seriously is that for years. If you were selling, let's just stick with marijuana. If you were selling marijuana, you were labeled a gang member, a terrorist to society, a drug dealer, a lowlife. Now that the government has figured out a way to monetize off of the monograms that Jay will be selling to us, it's okay. I don't like that. Um, 
So <clears throat> I would love to see dealers be able to get a stake in this, get a storefront without much repercussion. Shout out to Jay, though, uh, doing another business move. You know, his hands are in everything, and we're just seeing these business moves unfold one move at a time. Yeah, and, and what I'm also looking at, I want to see the expunging of records. So if you were a person where you were you were incarcerated and your right to vote has been revoked because now you're considered a felon because at a certain time when you committed this crime, once again, that we know was absolutely ludicrous. If you think about it, 88,000 people a year in the United States, uh, no, excuse me, there are 88,000 uh, alcohol-related car accidents in the United States every single year. So many people... Uh, lose a lung, develop various forms of cancer because of the carcinogens in, tob in tobacco that you inhale right. when you smoke. Millions of people have died from tobacco use. Yet, because Philip Morris, uh, DuPont, Altria, they can go and lobby. They have the billions to lobby politicians. You can't, like, stump out tobacco like you can marijuana. And, you know, when you look at the history of marijuana, essentially it was outlawed because... I think it was like after 1910, you had an influx of immigrants coming up from Mexico. It was scaring the mainstream uh, demographic here. And in addition to that, this cannabis that these, that these people were smoking, and many people were smoking, like this country was founded off of like selling hemp, using hemp for different materials, the smoking of right. cannabis. Like this didn't really become a thing until like the 20th century. Leaving the term marijuana, it means like wild weed. It has nothing to do with cannabis. And we use these terms to make to build this stigma around this plant that actually has medicinal purposes as well. And anxiety, it, anxiety, uh, it, you know, CBD oil can be used for musculoskeletal pain. It's so many different mm -hmm. things that you can use hemp for cannabis, the cannabis plant for. Um, and people that were disenfranchised due to uh, systemic issues like you can look at the uh, the effects of black communities due to uh, white flight, redlining, red being denied access to federal grants and loans to purchase homes in which they would have been able to build up equity. They were denied that. And so you had this opportunity to sell this plant and you were incarcerated. How is cannabis a, a um, what is it, a level one drug? Like it's, level it's one a, offense. Yeah, uh, it's an offense, but it's like it's a like they have I think heroin is at like two. It's like the danger of the drug. So how do you right. put cannabis ahead of heroin as far as being a, a danger to a person? And so... How was, how was Columbus a hero? <laughs> that's a different topic. But... There's a lot of questions out there. He, he, but listen, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that people, in addition to, you know, people making money, we have to fix the damage that's been, that's been done to black communities at the hands of these laws that uh, disproportionately affected black families and took black men out of black homes because they had a little bit of marijuana on them. Like, think about the fact you can have like maybe a certain amount of marijuana and you get caught and you're gone away for 10 years. And you might be a nonviolent offender. You may not have That's no right. history of violent crime on, on your record or a record at all, right. but you're gone right. away. A decade of your life is taken away for selling this plant because... A group of, of people that did not like non-white uh, people wanted to stigmatize this plant and all these states began to make it illegal until it got to the point it was illegal at a federal level. 
Um, right. I want to ask you, kind of speaking to that, um, recently, last year, July of last year, the state of Virginia has decriminalized marijuana. So essentially what I, and you can add on, I'm not like, I don't know all the ins and outs and you can add on, but what I think it means is that, um, I think like if you have like, uh, you don't get, I think if, if it's under half an ounce or something like that, that you're caught with. And once again, please, I'm, I'm still kind of murky on the details, but essentially there's no, no, uh, probability of, of prison time. Like you'll get fined kind of like you've got a ticket. Um, now governor Northam says that by 2024, they want to fully legalize marijuana. Yes. Yes. Now, uh, the marijuana, I think it's the marijuana justice league. You know, they put out some information that even though it's decriminalized, black people, once again, are disproportionately targeted, taxed, given citations for possessing marijuana versus other groups. And then the danger is if you have in two years until full legalization, what happens to all that stuff that's murky in the middle? Like, what if you have an ounce, a half an ounce? What if you're caught with this? What if you try to per like it's all of these things that for two years it can still put us in an adverse um, position. So my question to you is, um, one, how do you feel about the decriminalization of marijuana here in Virginia? Are you for it or against it? Um, and two, how do you feel about the fact that Governor Nor Northam wants to wait a full two years until he fully legalizes it here in the state? Well, I didn't know that the, uh, the marijuana... Uh... What's what it called? The Justice League? What's the full? Mar name? It's the Marijuana Justice something, dude. <laughs> but no, that below. But but for real, they do a lot of dope work, man. Like no pun intended. I, 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 I'm glad they do a lot of great work. Why I hear Justice League? You know, there's only one Justice League in our hearts. I feel so, you. I feel so you. I think I think <laughs> I'm a big DC guy, so I'm happy that the Justice League. Um, is out here uh, kicking crime mm -hmm. uh, for people who smoke the cannabis. Yeah. Uh, to answer your first question, though, uh, one thousand percent. You know, I agree with what Northern's doing uh, in the intro. Uh, at the current moment, just don't get caught with an ounce. Listen, <laughs> it, it, it 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 kills me. It kills me when <sighs> people go. I was driving this car sitting on twenty four inch rims. My system was knocking. I had tinted windows, and for some reason, I got pulled over. No. You fit what most people deem as having criminal activity. So until, in our state at least, uh, in 2024, I just heard this news the other day, uh, where it, you won't get in trouble at it at all, just have a, what was it, what was the ounce percentage? I think it's like if you have like a half an ounce of, or more, I think it's something like that. I could be wrong. People, if you're listening, Google this. Okay, so here's what you do. If you're the driver, you have a half an ounce, and your passenger has a half an ounce. <laughs> if there's anybody in the back seat, they also have a half an ounce, and y'all got ounces. Listen, just play the rules. And this is how people in, in other communities have been doing this for years. They've mm -hmm. been playing by the rules. Mm -hmm. They understand the rules. They live by the rules. I love that stocks is all of a sudden a cool thing after the AMC and GameStop fiasco. Shout out to the Reddit gang gang. Yeah, man. I wish I had got in on that, too. I wish I had got in on that. I was late I was to the little, party. I was I was late. I was real late to the party. And 
they was charging people to get in. I wanted to get in free. Uh, yeah. Much less like 534. Shout out to Mansion. Yeah. But, but yo, quick, know, quick side note, that day Jack, when you talk about getting in early, really, really quick. Do Because you, you're, you're a little bit older than me, so you're going to remember this. Do you remember back like in 2008, 2009, where people were on the internet like, yo, Bitcoin, and people and people just like, ah, whatever. Dude, if I could go back, I would have bought like 100 Bitcoins, and I would be set right now, bro. Sorry, I just have to put for that life. out there. Yeah. Because I think one Bitcoin right now is going for like 60,000. Uh, 60, like one yeah. Bitcoin. That's and crazy. And getting ready to accept Bitcoin as forms of payment. I think I would, and, and please, people, Google these facts. Yeah, definitely. I believe, I believe uh, it's, it might be Chase Bank. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a few places where you can actually go buy a vehicle with Bitcoin. So we're going to see this roll out in the next few years where that is a uh, acceptable uh, form of payment in establishments. So that, mm -hmm. that's a real... That's a uh, that's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, but listen, just work within the rules that are given until rules are further rolled out where you can do more. That's that's my opinion on a lot of things. Play by the rules. Listen, everything ain't fair. This life ain't a state fair. But you have to move within the moves until you can do better. So if, if all you can do is an ounce right now, or half an ounce, whatever that is, do your half an ounce. Um, and then when time deems necessary, you could do more. But shout out to the governor here uh, in the DMV area for recognizing who voted him into power. The, uh, double backing to your point earlier about our vote standing for something, uh, it has been proven that people of color lean heavily towards Democrat, uh, Democratic um, politicians. And so our voice was made heard with Northern. Uh, we have been on his back. We, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, personally has been on uh, the gov, uh, this, the mayor's back. Shout out Stony. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to give a few fl uh, a few flowers to him. He's done a lot of great work, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Uh, since yeah. he's been in office, he's done some. I met him before he even was mayor. Uh, solid guy. I met him in Churchill, helping out. Um, a gentleman who's running for a school board, mm -hmm. uh, who's the name uh, anonymous, but I was a part of his uh, early party mm -hmm. and knocking on doors and such. He had a lot of great ideas. I met with uh, Mayor Stoney at a, a local bodega. He introduced me to him. Uh, it's just, Yo, there's <laughs> no dagger here, bro. This is <laughs> there's no bodega no, here, man. No. <laughs> it's a corner store, it's a bodega, no? No, I'll play it, I'll play it. I, I, I okay, follow right. you, I follow you. But, but, yeah, but yeah. yeah, but, um, yeah, you know, uh, shout out to, um, LeVar Stoney, man. He, one of my things, a lot of people, he caught flack during the George Floyd riots, you know, and. From, from all sides. From all quick, sides. But here's. African-Americans were mad at him. But, but hold on, real quick, before you go there. Okay. I just want to say this quickly about, uh, LeVar Stoney. What he went through with those riots was unprecedented. He was navigating unknown territory. And, and, the, and, and to go through that and really not, like, this is a whole novel situation. I commend him for the effort that he put out there. Uh, go ahead. Facts. Listen, he's a black man first. You had, could you imagine, ladies and gentlemen, you know, uh, you, could be any, you could be any color, but you're black during the George Floyd movement and you're a mayor 
and your city is hurting and they're marching for change. We all saw that video mm -hmm. and we're marching for change. And you have people who are telling you to stop the marching. But you also have people saying, how could you turn on your people? He was put in place in a position that nobody, I wouldn't want that position for the world because he was damned if he do, damned if he don't. And let the record show from being out there in a, in a lot of those uh, pro peaceful protests that Antifa, which sounds like an a, a artificial uh, sweetener, um, were out there the ones causing a lot of the destruction and not the peaceful protesters. But here again, and I hate that we're going here. I didn't, I didn't want to come over. Oh, no, nah, you good. You good. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to do this today. Um, oh, you good. Go ahead. I hate that I, I, had this, I had this debate with someone when this happened. And I said that tearing down buildings were wrong. But it seems that we've been marching peacefully, and you would know this better than I, for how many years? Uh, for, for, I mean, yeah, there, there, but, but see, go ahead. Cause I, I'm about to, you, you almost had me go on a tangent. I'll say this, like when you look at those civil rights marches, like for example, and this is something people don't talk about what Dr. Martin Luther King wanted to do in addition to the march, the march, one of the other things he wanted to do was to have people like shut, get on the highways, shut down transportation, stop air traffic. Like he really wanted to try to lock down the commerce of this country to show what one, you know, what our power is as black people and as a demographic in this country that's been here since 1619. But then two, he wanted to show the world what the treatment was like of black people. And Malcolm X wanted to do, do this before he died. He was going to go to the UN and bring the United States up on crimes against humanity for his treatment of African-Americans. So when you look at those brothers and sisters back in the day that March, it was like a March with an outcome and other pieces and facets to it. Whereas a lot of us, we're just marching down the street with a sign. There's no organizers. That's the problem. There's that was, no, that was, and that's why I stopped. Yeah. Uh, if I can interject real quick. Yeah. The only reason I stopped going out there in our locale uh, there was no organization. So the, the last protest I went to here in the city, one of the leaders started freestyle. And uh, he had the air horn. He started, he had a 16 on the top. No, <laughs> man. Now, bro, what, what are we doing out here? So when I heard... It was, was a 16, though. <laughs> he had a bond, too. Okay. I think he rhymed some with, like, uh, stake them, make them. All right, all right. Nah, it was trash. <laughs> <laughs> it was trash. <laughs> he just referenced a stake him. Get him out of here, bro. This dude is ass, man. If that nigga says stake him in a rhyme, bro, get him out of here, man. Get him out of here, yo. Credit score, credit score, A1, like the stake him, I make him. <laughs> it was filming that and that, yo. <laughs> yo, he had, he had a bullhorn? He had a bullhorn? He was yo, take his bullhorn away, man. God, bro. Kanji's. Don't even ask me how. Listen, <sighs> I, that's, that's what he said. Uh, but there's no organization. That's why I left the uh, march early that night when I heard that 16. 
and I got in my car and I listened to DJ Quick on the way home. That's neither. <laughs> Yo! <coughs> Hold up. Hold up, man. Yeah. Duh. DJ Quick's not in your playlist when you're somewhere fast? Yo! Yo! Hold up, man. Let me get my thoughts together, bro. Hold up, man. This man said DJ Quick. <laughs> Shout out was, to DJ Quick, to too. But I good God. Yo. <laughs> Yo. Dude, why are you listening to this? Like, <laughs> I want, When I drive fast, I put Quick on. Bro. I don't know what it is. I can't even name a DJ Quick song, son. It's no shade, but just. Bro. But oh, not, man, you ever heard his, uh, his last project? Quick, quickie, quick, quickies. I forgot. Bro, that's not the name of it. That ain't the name. I know it ain't. I know it's not the name. <laughs> I know he didn't call this shit quickies. Bro, I know that's not the name, dog. I'm not going to be I need to see that in writing. I'm not going to believe that's the name of his album, bro. I'm not. I swear to God, I won't believe that. I just won't. I will not believe that, man. Oh, my God. Yo, hey. But hey, but look, real quick, let me put this out there. Let me put this out there. You remember we were talking about top 10 lists earlier. Here's something we always omit in the top 10 argument. We forget regionalism. Because here's the thing. This is something I have a homeboy that's from the West Coast, right? Right. And this is something he, he put me on to. And a girl I used to date, her best friend was from Oakland. What we got to realize is that we're East Coast guys. Right. You got to keep that in mind. And and this is to your point. If you go to the Bay, Quick is in the top five out there. E-40's oh, in the top five. And you too might, short. and you, and you, and you, too short. And you might find right. yourself in a bad predicament if you disagree with that. Uh, right. If you're in the Bay Area. So it's like, right. yo, if, you know, I got to give Quick and all them cats their props. I might not listen to their music. But they made an impact, you know, they, they're, you know, they are up here out there, you know, that's, you know, so, but no, but I want to kind of move on to the next topic real quick and I'm going to let you go. I want to talk about the nine to five conundrum, man. I want to talk about how many of us, we spend our waking hours, the best part of our day in these offices, in these cubicles, um, the money might be decent, it might be good. But ultimately, there's no connection to these different things that we pursue or these things we do to pay the bills on a day to day basis. And um, I remember growing up, the way that we've been taught is that you go somewhere, you get the degree, you go somewhere and you work there. And if you're there for X amount of decades, you get to retire. And then once you retire, you get to do whatever it is that you want. But as we get, you know, we get older, we're seeing that. This pathway to retirement isn't really real. And a lot of people that do retire has to still find ways to supplement their income once they leave the job they've been at for, you know, 30, 25 or even 40 years. Um, what I want to ask you, man, as a as a as a, a, a I call you a tangible entrepreneur because I'm a I'm a theoretical entrepreneur. I call myself a theoretical one because I'm still working on actualizing the business I want to put out there next year. But you have tangible businesses out there. Um, how do you view the entrepreneur? Excuse me, the nine to five, where people will say, "Look at your nine to five as a way to finance your dreams." 
right? But you're right. using it as a stepping stone. Um, how do you, I guess, what inspired you to want to be an entrepreneur? And if I could assume to make that segue from the nine to five life, like, and, and, and if I could also assume a little bit further, I would assume that you're a guy that does not want to work for other people for the rest of his life. So to tie it all in, um, what was the initial thing that made you say, you know what? I have to go for more. The, the nine to five thing is not where I should be at for the rest of my life. Uh, it, it, well, it wasn't the money. It, it was doing things that I really wanted to do on a day in a day basis. Uh, you know, watching close loved ones pass. You know, if anybody pays attention to me, I speak a lot about my dad passing. My dad um, is and still is my best friend. Um, and, you know, we spoke so much on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and just seeing him work, you know, he, he retired from Philip Morris, for people not in our area. Uh, Philip Morris owned by Altria now, a uh, cigarette plant. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing back in the day for most people. You go somewhere for 30 years, you retire, and, you you know, you ride into the sunset. Um, but, you know, seeing him after retirement um, still have to work in some capacity, as you just spoke of, um, because your retirement money doesn't supplement the lifestyle that you live, uh, led me to want to chase something. Um, and once he passed, uh, you know, at, at a young age, you know, I consider 65 a young age. You know, I, I don't really, to me, as we get older, uh, you know, we're in our mid-30s, some of us later 30s, you know, I 60 don't seem that far when you realize how time goes by. You know, 50 right around the corner. Um, so when he passed, it ignited something in me to really make every single day count um, and then really chase things that I really like to do. I didn't think of money when deciding to do T-shirts or uh, to co-host a show or to, to move into like this this TV world that we're doing now. Or it's, you know, I, I didn't think about money. It's always been for me personal enjoyment because we can't take this money with us when we leave anyway enough uh, none of this stuff i don't care if you got a platinum plaque you know damon john passes away god forbid the next year he'll be known for fubu and other entrepreneurships but he takes none of that stuff with him um so what we really leave on this world uh is our talents that is god given to us um so it, it wasn't a financial <laughs> situation it was really more so of doing things that God give us. I believe when we get an idea that's God given, rather we act on it or don't, it's up to us, which I believe is the freedom um, in Christianity, if you're a believer, which mm -hmm. I am one. Mm -hmm. um, and so I believe the money always comes. That sounds crazy to somebody who, who works nine to five and says, well, I got a few ideas. I got a few God given talents. You do need to work those jobs. You know, outside of everything I do, I still have two jobs. I have a full-time job. I have a part-time job. And I take this money to find uh, different startups. So yeah. uh, I no longer, when these startups, the startups are babies. Once these babies are up and walking off the ground, then you could uh, fall back on the nine-to-five situation. Uh, but it's necessary. Yeah. And also, real quick, yeah. um, if you have a mapped-out plan, uh, you need to go work in that field because you can make money in the field you want. If you're a clothing designer, you could go work for American Eagle. 
You know, there there are jobs out here, you know, for you to do in your field or uh, that you desire you're real passionate about where you can make an income and get paid while you're doing it. Don't be an idiot while you're at work. Ask questions. Learn why they buy what they buy. You know, if there's a vendor that comes to your job, get familiar with that vendor. Maybe one day you could be using them uh, for a product. Ask questions, learn as much as you can while getting paid to do so. Um, you know, being a boss doesn't mean you don't work for other people. Because when you are a boss, or when you are a business owner, the people are your boss. Somebody's unhappy with the product. Uh, as of right now at Iconic, somebody's happy with the product. I let them keep the product, which is rarely. Um, but people have quirks and, and disagreements on what yeah, they think yeah. something should be. That that happens. If something's not right, keep the product. We send another one. It's the Amazon philosophy. Yeah. Why is Amazon so uh, so popular and people are so happy with it? Because if something's wrong, not only do you keep the wrong item, they'll send you another one. Um, and you don't pay for that shipping. I'm going off on a tangent. Oh, no, you're good. Um, you're good. But, yeah, yeah. but um, in terms of working a nine to five, I think work is necessary because the immediate bills are due at the moment. Maybe you need to cater a job uh, that will allow you to focus on your dreams and desires. You notice a lot of actors work night shifts or bartender shifts so they can actually get to reading scripts in the morning. And a lot um, of people so are, are, are going into this gig economy. Like you have people that are, are, you know, picking up like their Uber drivers or their do DoorDash or they do all these different things to supplement income. And so, you know, my... <laughs> Sorry, you know, it's Sunday, it's beautiful, I got the window up, so you, we, we picking up everything today, it's all organic, it's real. As we should. You know, but, um, right. the way I, like, for me, um, I don't look at a nine to five and being an entrepreneur as being mutually exclusive. I think you can do both, and honestly, you can, you can pick up valuable information from both, you know, even if it doesn't directly correlate to your particular field that you're doing, you can pick up, like, how to work with people how to understand, yes. um, um, like a lot of times we think about IQ, which is intelligence quotient, but then there's EQ, which is emotional quotient. It's emotional intelligence. So working around people and even being a leader in an office, you understand how to organize people to get a specific task done because right. I don't care what you're doing. Even me with this platform, when I grow it to the point that I wanted to be at, I'm going to have to hire people. I'm going to have to know how to engage people. And I know you as well with your businesses, you're going to have to have employees at a certain point. To, to, to speak to that real quick. Yes, sir. Brought a good point. I have a mentor and everybody get a mentor. There's nothing yeah. wrong with having. I have a, a mentor uh, who's a business owner and who's been in this field for a lot of years. I have a mentor. I was just talking to him the other day about how do I, I have, uh, I have one employee right now. Oh, congrats on that, man. Congrats. Thank you. I have one employee right now, and I have another gentleman that I'm getting ready to bring into the fold uh, from creative designing. Um, because every idea you think isn't the best idea. Uh, that's the, it, it, allow yourself to grow into that, um, to be able to give somebody tasks uh, and allow them to finish it without micromanaging. Because people are talented in other areas and, that you may not be in. And when you have, when you have employees or you have like, I hate to use the term people under you, but to to an extent, that's what it is. It allows you more free time to just be the creative when you can delegate yes. tasks 
because now you're not worried about the editing. Now you're not worried about this or that because you have people to take care of that. And then your mind could just be on the passion and the vision of the brand. And it allows you, you know, time to do that. But, um, but what I will say to kind of take it a little bit of a different direction really quick is that outside of the nine to five, I think, and I'm seeing it amongst generation Zers. I think people born after 1997 is that the path that we were taught to follow of you go to high school, you know, you graduate high school, you have great grades, you get into college, you come out, you get into a career, you work there for a few decades, you retire. The world, the 2020, uh, the 2021 uh, job market, the 2021 world and global economy does not facilitate that sort of lifestyle. And so what I like that a lot of younger people are doing is that a lot of them are looking at entrepreneurship. A lot of them are getting uh, certifications, trades, uh, working jobs straight out of high school, building up income, investment is popular amongst a lot of younger people in like their mid and early 20s. Whereas in our generation, we didn't necessarily have those sorts of outlets and platforms that can inform us about that. And so I say that to say, I was invited um, maybe like two years ago to speak at a, what is that? It's a, it's a middle school that's right off of Parham Road. It's near like LC, it's near Regency Square. And I can't remember the name of the middle school. It's like right before you get to Regency Square. It's near the cookout, I think off of Queaquison. And I can't, oh, I can't remember the name of the middle school, but mm-hmm. I was there and I told the kids, I said, look, life is about freedom. That's my personal uh, modus operandi. Life is about freedom. You don't want to be tied up in debt that you can never pay off. And what happens with a lot of college students, they're coming out of school at 24 years old with eighty, ninety, dollars $120,000 of student loan debt depending on the price of the institution. So you already starting out behind the eight ball. And I don't, when I spoke with, when I spoke to these kids, I told them, I said, look, college can be really beneficial. But I said, look at, if you go to college, look at it like this, because I I wish I had looked at it like this in retrospect. When you go to college, it's not necessarily about how smart you are or how intelligent you are. It matters, but not so much. You're going to college to pay for the network you're going to get. That's the only college is really if you're going to like a state university, you're going to have so many different minds, so many different skill sets, so many different entrepreneurial incubators in one spot that you have to use and your network and your resources. This is why you meet a guy that's a C student who graduated school, a school with a 2.5 GPA, but he may, have, he may have joined the Qs or the Alphas, and he has a crazy network, and this guy Thanks. five years out of college has a six-figure job in, in New York or D.C. because he took the time to build the, to build the network. You're in Thanks. college for the network, not to prove what your GPA is because nobody's going to give a damn about that when you get out yeah, of school. Once you, get your, once you get your diploma, no one cares. Nobody cares about your GPA. And so I know for me, and I want to ask, what would your message be to a person that's graduating high school in 2021. But quickly, my message is, one, don't go out here to drive yourself into debt for a useless degree. And I don't mean to call certain degrees useless, but I don't, certain, well, I take that back. Everything has its place, but be mindful of that. Also, like what wasn't told to me, truly, 
you can go on YouTube and you can find out information about wholesaling, how to have an e-commerce store, how to get into real estate, how to invest, how to start a, a, a marketing company online. There's so much information at your disposal. You don't have to throw yourself into a university and come out with 70 grand of student loan debt that you can't declare bankruptcy on. The world is a lot more open. There's so many different things you can do. Certifications, trade. So I told these kids, and like I'm telling the people that's listening to this now, don't set yourself up to one linear path. Learn skills. Learn how to work for yourself. Learn what an LLC is, what an S-Corp is, what a sole proprietorship is. Try to expand your, your net worth in the market. Not in money terms, but in terms of skills, what you can bring to a company, and what you ultimately can use to work for yourself. So to you, mm -hmm. Brother Floyd, if you were to talk to an 18-year-old, they're about to come out of high school, and they're, and, and they're thinking, should I go to this university, get this four-year degree, or is there other uh, options for me out here? What would your conversation be like to that 18-year-old? Well, I, I, first of all, I'll ask if they like school. Uh, if you don't like school, college ain't for you. Um, so if, if you're not into school, school isn't for you, then maybe looking into a trade, uh, maybe even doing part-time at a community college. Uh, a lot of times people don't realize you can easily get on a fast track if you're talking about living this nine-to-five life, uh, doing your two years and getting an associate degree, and then going into that field of occupation. You've got two years ahead of someone who potentially... Uh, would have had a four-year bachelor's degree before they come to your company. Uh, so so it depends on what they're after. Uh, some people don't need school at all. Uh, so it really depends on the individual you're speaking to. If I was speaking to a group of people, uh, my thing would be is to ask yourself, what do you really do? You know, my parents uh, were heavily on school, so they forced school upon me. Um, so, you know, I, I know college life, been to college and graduated and so forth, because that was something that was forced in my household, rather you liked it or not, that you needed an education. Um, but, you know, for, for the youth out there or the 18 year old who's like, yo, listen, you know, I want to be an architecture designer. OK, well, then you do need some knowledge. Uh, then you do need to go to school. Uh, but for the person who deems success. Uh, as just having their own place and making money weekly, then maybe that's not for you. And, and, and on a broader point, this conversation I've been having with people, their definition of success, uh, you, you decide what you consider this, uh, success. Um, some people who come to America from a foreign land, having an apartment in a car is successful to them. Why do people go to school? To be successful, to have an income, that would take care of their needs as well as their wants. You decide that. Uh, so there's a lot of creativity uh, that you can have at 18 on a path that you want to go. Also know, like my sister who uh, graduated from VCU, changed their major a few different times because the yeah, growth level that mm -hmm. you have from 18 to 20 versus 20 to 22 changes upon what you thought. You might have wanted to be like my sister, a forensic uh, examiner. But by the time she got through two years of school, her whole mind changed on her view of life. Mm -hmm. So allow yourself to have some time to change your mind. Who you are today won't necessarily be who you are tomorrow. I know myself personally, due to this pandemic, that has rapidly changed the way I was 
pre this COVID-19 situation versus I am now. The core person that I am has not changed. My view setting into the future has. So allow yourself wiggle room. One of the best advice I've had uh, from my dad's sister, my Aunt Belinda, was in this lifetime, you need to learn to be flexible. Meaning that situations or things that you think will be may not be. So you need to be able to be flexible and bring a good attitude to adjust in that setting. Allow yourself time to grow and fill out. And as my grandma always said in her 88 year, 83 years of wisdom, excuse me, um, is you will find your niche. Allow yourself to find your niche. God will guide you where you really want to be. Very, very, uh, very uh, valid points. I, I definitely agree. And just to kind of piggyback on that really quick, we should stop also putting an age on success. Because what we yes. do to a lot of people, we're, we we put the, this burden upon young people that by age 23, they should have it figured out. They should know what they want to do. They should know what type of career they want to have. They should also be looking at marriage prospects at that age. And in my opinion, I don't think anybody on th under 30 should even think about marriage. That shouldn't at even all. be a thought for you. You're, you're, you at should all. not worry about marriage at all in your 20s. You at are all. not ready for it. Um, nope. But then the other part of that is, and to your point, when you look at how rapidly changing the human mind is, and I had a debate about something that I'm not going to talk about on here, but my argument in that debate is that scientists have showed us that the uh, the prefrontal cortex that's responsible for like emotions, complex thinking, all these, this stuff, it doesn't fully mature in us as human beings until we're like 25 years old. And this is why if you notice, think about yourself now and you think about yourself before 25 it almost seems like two different people well we mature in our mid-20s so a lot of times as you pointed out and it's backed by science when you look at yourself at 18 the stuff that you wanted to do it doesn't even resonate with yourself as a person by the time you hit 28 years old and if you you know extend it out it does definitely doesn't resonate as a person when you hit 35 years old um so we just have to have and i agree the flexibility and that's why I say, you know, when I spoke to these young people, look at the world as a labyrinth of opportunity and give yourself that that time to try different things and learn different skills. You know, Robert Greene, the writer of the 48 Laws of Power, he talks about that. He talks about when you're young, pick up as much information and knowledge and skills that you can, because you may not see it now. But those skills will congeal into something that may produce a new business idea, a new yep. book, um, a new piece of art that you may not have been able to put all these pieces together uh, when you were younger. But we've been going at this for two hours, man, and, and we're going to have to wrap this up. So I want to finish, okay. man. Um, what do you have coming up, my brother, man, um, as in business, music, comedy? Just let us all know. Okay, uh, yo, so, so Hoy, once again, I want to thank you uh, for providing the platform again uh, to allow creators to come and speak um, and also uh, give us critiques on the culture and also uh, give us information that we may not hear uh, daily. I want to thank you, brother, from the bottom of my heart for having me on my favorite 
and best podcast, No Truth Bar. Thank you, brother. Uh, thank you. Uh, and thank you, Hoy. I, I sincerely do. And, and let me put this out there. I love the East Coast Report. Like you, you have the most creative podcast, man. Like I, I love it. The, your format is unorthodox. I've, I don't like. I listen to your podcast. I haven't heard anybody even have that way to attack a platform. Like it's just so different and novel and it's refreshing, man. And I just love what you do. I love the way you interview your guests. And, um, you know, I can't wait to, to, to see and hear more episodes, man, of the East Coast Report. And I want to apologize. I've been offline for the past two weeks, so I got to catch up because I know you probably going to put some episodes out, man. So I got to go yeah, catch yeah, up on yeah. those. Yeah, yeah, we got we got uh, two episodes that dropped last week. Word. And, uh, I, I've been working on um, man, time management as a creator. You're creating different things. It's really easy to get fixated on one thing. And then that kind of leads something else to fall to a wayside. Yeah. Um, so I've been, uh, you were my last guest of December 18th. It was that episode that that dropped. Please let me go listen to that. Yeah. Uh, Thank so you for having me on as well, man. I appreciate uh, that. Uh, I, I, I want to have you back on. I'm going to, since listeners are listening, I'll, I like to put my guests on the spot. So they have to live up to. to oh, yeah, yeah, guys. yeah. I, I love to have you back on. Uh, I, I do them in season, so this I'm in season two. Okay, I've got about five more episodes. I like to uh, get you towards the close, uh, the closeout or so, finale of the East Coast Report. So show. what 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 are, are we looking at? Like probably like April or okay, like May. We're definitely looking at uh, May, April. We'll take like a couple weeks hiatus off, and we're going to season three. Okay, um, yeah, so, man. Just so you can text me, and we can work all that out via text and stuff too, man. Um, yeah, yeah but I, I, I love to do something in person too. I got to uh, working on some things with a cameraman, uh -huh. uh, so I would love to do. I've been working on this idea in terms of things coming up. Okay, um, on this idea of actually recording live and having like the noise downtown of like cars driving by mm -hmm. and just having a conversation. I don't know why I'm fixated on that, but that's something I'm going to make happen. Well, um, look, so I, I want to tell you this, man. I don't. I put this. Uh, this video up, but um, I'm doing uh, Truthfully Street. Did you see the segment I did with uh, Yaya? I love that. I, I so, love that segment. Um, what I'm doing, man, is that, you know, I, I'm doing some street interviews. I got a few more, and I want to have you on one of them, man. So, Thank you, and, I, and the reason why I want to put that out there is because a lot of times um, people can reach similar conclusions. And I want to say, I want you to know that I have that out there. You saw what I did with Yaya, so I don't want it to yeah, feel yeah. like. I'm piggybacking off of something that you're doing, brother. So I don't want it to come off that way. No. Cause no, I, not, I not yeah. So, so, you know, but, <laughs> but I would love to have you on like a street segment, man. Like, um, cause I'm going to be doing more of them as the weather warm up. No, no, I would love to do like a segment where we walk up to an ice cream truck and I'm ordering <laughs> like, like, you know, something mad random. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Outside, get interviewed, eating, you know, no, we can't eat glitches on camera. Yo, 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 yo. We yo. can't do that. Like, no popsicles. Something, something super organic, like grabbing a meal from mm -hmm. Mama J's and just rapping yeah. outside eating catfish over arroz con pollo. I say, I say that to say this. Uh, iconic clothing. I started this movement back in uh, March. Uh, picked up two guys to the team. Uh, shout out CJ. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Creative. And um, we got this another cat. I'm going to avail him very soon. Uh, he's welcome to the team. And, you know, we just picking up steam. It's 
iconic brand store. I'm wearing uh, merch now. You know, we heading into the uh, summer. So when you outside at these cookouts, your family festivities, make sure you grab a wine glass. Uh, this would be available March 12th, which is this upcoming Friday. Ooh, okay. Uh, sale. And we we getting heavy into the merch game, the lifestyle game, um, drop sipping business. Iconic Brands uh, is coming in the spring. I'm going to veil that more very soon. Okay. Uh, but it's going to be a retail establishment where you could buy from people who look like you. And you can uh, save money uh, doing so. Mm -hmm. Comedy-wise, uh, the East Coast Report Show, uh, is you, you'll see that on the timeline if you follow me at The East Coast. It's The underscore East Coast on Instagram. Twitter, you can follow Iconic Brands. Stay up to date with the movements. Uh, I will be... Out and about, and things open up a little bit more as they are. Um, be doing more dates in the city. I do have an upcoming engagement um, this Friday. I'll be doing some stand-up comedy. Whoa, Brother Floyd, you disappeared. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Let me see if I can get him back. He just disappeared on me. Okay. All right, listen. I'm going to tell you, uh, follow follow uh, Floyd Peace. Follow at Iconic Clothing LLC on Instagram. Make sure you follow the East, Co the East Coast Report on Instagram. Uh, make sure you, you follow his podcast on Spotify. Um, I don't know what other streaming services, but check any streaming service for the East Coast Report. Dude, follow his brand. He's doing a lot of great stuff. Um, definitely follow Floyd. And also, we're going to go ahead and close this out. I'm Hoyka Waku Timmons. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at underscore no truth bar podcast at Hoy H O Y T underscore Kuwaku K W A K U underscore Timmons. That's T I M M O N S. And also, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. Much love, take care, and peace.